Are you ready to tap into becoming your best self? That's what we do here on the Me I Want to Be podcast. So let's jump right in. In today's episode, I want to dive deep into the impact of repeating negative words on our self-esteem and how we can break free from this destructive cycle. I want to differentiate between self-esteem and self-confidence. I think this topic impacts both, but it starts with your self-esteem. So to clarify, self-esteem refers to whether you appreciate and value yourself. Your self-esteem develops and changes as a result of your life experiences and interactions with other people. Whereas your self-confidence is your belief in yourself and your abilities. As you listen, think about how words impact your value. When I think back to my first class with IPAC, the coaching institute I attended, I do remember having a number of negative words on repeat. And honestly, I didn't put any thought into this concept at all until I really started examining all these jargony phrases that hold us back, like limiting beliefs, assumptions, interpretations, and gremlins. Remember the gales from a previous podcast? I definitely threw out into the world the word hate a lot about others, things, and specific aspects of my behavior. I also said often, it doesn't matter, or I don't care, as an easy way to blow things off. And lastly, the word idiot was part of my vocabulary for anyone that held me up, cut me off, or created any problems in my life. So think about saying these words often, I hate XYZ, or assuming that other people hate me. It doesn't matter, I don't care, and what an idiot, or that idiot just XYZ. Not my finest moment, but very much my reality when I rewind the movie of my life. I wanna look at this so we can understand the power of our words and the impact of the words people use around us. Words are important to recognize and acknowledge because they often are a direct reflection of what we think and feel about ourselves. They impact others and our thoughts ultimately direct our emotions and how we act. Let's start off by looking at hate or any other form of the word, which could be dislike, revenge, loathing, horror, disgust, bitterness, contempt. I gotta believe that many of us have some form of dislike in our negative self-talk. What's your word? What would you add to this list? I want this to sink in. If you repeatedly say any derivative of the word hate, that will translate into your thoughts, emotions, and actions. For me to fully embrace what this meant in my life, I looked at this in a few ways. First, taking the five love languages and flipping the script by reading about hate languages. So I wanna give you a glimpse into what this means and see if you can find yourself and your behavior in these statements, as well as those closest to you and the impact this has on your life. If your love language is words of affirmation, then criticism can be your hate language. When you thrive on compliments and expressions of love from those around you, Hearing criticism or hurtful words can be devastating. Even if the criticism is constructive, it may trigger feelings of shame and negativity. To heal this hurt, the individual who criticized will need to compensate with ample reassurance. 
On average, it takes five positive comments to counteract the impact of one negative comment. For someone whose love language is words of affirmation, they may respond with anger or withhold loving words when they feel hurt or attacked. When you hear this, are you someone who criticizes others or are you often criticized by those closest to you? If your love language is physical affection, then physical withdrawal, abuse, and betrayal can be your hate language. For those who feel loved through holding hands, public displays of affection, snuggling, or any other form of physical touch, the absence of physical connection or harmful actions can feel like your world is collapsing. Physical betrayal, which involves lying, sneaking around, and covering up, goes beyond just the physical act. Physical withdrawal can be seen through actions like sleeping in separate beds, rejecting physical affection, or recoiling from touch. While someone who doesn't value physical touch may not notice the withdrawal, for those who do, reassurance and plenty of physical affection is what begins the healing process. In this area, are you the one holding back your love and attention, or do you recognize this in others? If your love language is acts of service, then dropping the ball can be your hate language. Active service involves doing things for individuals, whether it's picking them up from the airport, helping with tasks, or fulfilling requests. When someone fails to show up, neglects someone's needs, or says no to requests, it triggers hurt in those who value acts of service. To heal this hurt, the thoughtless person should communicate and ask how they can be supportive, then make an effort to follow through. If they can't fulfill a request, offering a caring explanation can go a long way. Additionally, those whose love language is acts of service should practice compassion, grace, and patience when others make mistakes or drop the ball. For me, this is how people can hurt me. Anyone else recognize this in themselves or others? If your love language is gifts, the absence of gifts can be your hate language. For someone whose heart is filled with joy by receiving special presents on occasions like birthdays, Valentine's Day, or Christmas, the lack of a meaningful gift can be heartbreaking. Gifts can also serve as a way to reconcile and make amends after instances of hurt and disappointment, whether it's jewelry, flowers, trinkets, or even simple candy. These tokens of appreciation can hold great significance for someone who values gifts. It's a way of showing that they were thought of and cared for. If your love language is quality time, then wasted or distracted time can be your hate language. As a busy person, time is valuable to you. When someone is constantly late or fails to show up, it sends a message that you're unimportant and not worth their punctuality. Distracted time, when someone is constantly on their phone, only talks about themselves or checks out others, it deeply hurts you. Being fully present and engaged during quality time is crucial for you to feel loved and cared for. You give your undivided attention and expect the same in return, as it shows your worth and importance to the other person. This is the other one for me, quality over quantity, anytime. Looking at these told me a lot about myself and my behavior, but also where I may need to have a few conversations about why others are treating me in a negative way. 
I definitely withheld time from people, minimized my attention, or stayed away as a form of punishment if I was triggered. I would also respond in anger and withhold loving words to those I cared about when I wasn't happy with them. Hopefully these statements allow you to see yourself and others as well as the impact we have on other people by what we think and do. Thinking about hate, dislike, revenge, contempt, it moves us towards feelings that support the thoughts and that turns into our action even if that's not our intent. It's a subconscious act based on how you feel about yourself and the world around you. I think that's why I looked at the opposite love language versus hate language because I always felt like my emotional piggy bank was empty and I knew that acts of service and quality time were the things I craved from others and this gave me a pretty clear picture of what I was receiving or perceiving and how others treated me. That old saying, what you give is what you get, isn't far off from the truth. Next, I went to the dictionary. I wanted to really understand what this word hate meant or idiot or I matter. I really wanted to examine my words in a lot of different ways. I looked up the synonyms and the antonyms. Like I said, looking at it from every angle. Next, I took a look at scripture and I wanted to find the opposing forces of good and evil because where I'm going with this is if you change the narrative in your brain, you can create change in your life. And I wanted to do the exact opposite because I was miserable. For all of you Seinfeld fans out there, I wanted to pull a George Costanza. I wanted to see what would happen if I did the exact opposite. So if you look at Galatians 5, 19 through 22, here's the not so pretty side. And the Bible does say all this. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. There's that hatred word and all those other things. I definitely had a few of those going on in my life. Now here's the good stuff. But the fruits of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. I hope these two takes on words helps illustrate the significance of negative words and the influence on our thoughts, emotions, and actions. This is such a common theme for myself and others that I created a way to examine this called the steady method. It allows you to look at a situation, which is the S in steady, from various angles based on your T, thoughts, emotions, and actions. This method allows individuals to assess how the words they use when speaking to themselves shapes their self-perception and ultimately their outcome in life. Remember, our thoughts create our emotions and our emotions are what makes us act in a certain way. So let's run through a few examples. One of my main statements was, it doesn't matter, which flipped means I don't matter. So one repeated situation would be late night eating for me. 
I would go to the kids' snack cupboard with the intent to comfort myself around 10 p.m. And as I'd open the cupboard, I would catch myself saying, it doesn't matter, which is my thought. And the attached emotion was sadness and disdain for myself. And the act was eating those salty or sweet snacks late in the night. Ironically, food and how I treated my body was the primary area for the words, it doesn't matter. And I wanted to be fit and healthy, but this felt so hard for me to get under control and to take seriously, which fed into my negative thoughts. So if I do the opposite and I head to the cupboard for a late night snack and I catch myself saying it doesn't matter, I have the opportunity in that moment to flip the script and stop, take in the situation, change my thoughts to I matter, which made me ask, do you really need that snack? Some days that was enough for me to stop the behavior. Other days it wasn't. On those bad days, I'd have to take it further and remind myself of my health goals. But what I'd learned over time is that when I kept the promise to myself that I matter and I wasn't going to eat late night snacks, each and every time I kept that promise, I felt better about myself. And my emotions responded by being proud of myself and the act of pushing through the need to comfort myself with food. Let's do one more. The situation is being stuck in traffic. This was a hard one for me. Old Karen would think that the person in front of me shouldn't have a driver's license, AKA they are not smart enough to get one or the word idiot would come to mind. My emotions were anger, frustration, and urgency, which caused me to act in a not so pretty way of throwing my arms around, yelling out loud in my car to myself and driving in a very defensive manner. None of this was good for my heart. Once again, if you flip the script, and here I really had to take on the persona of George Costanza, and when I'd be out there driving, if someone cut me off or drive super slow, I can immediately feel the emotion because I judge them in an instant. So I have to back up the bus in my mind and remind myself that they could be a student driver, an older person, or someone just respecting the speed limit. And this puts me emotionally in a more empathetic place. My actions shift from yelling and throwing around my arms to just wanting to move away from them. It's not as aggressive. This technique is a great way for you to look at those repeated words, statements, or events in your life. And for you to create a new narrative so you can experience a new emotion and set of actions, continue to fine tune this until you feel and act in a way that is appropriate for the situation. Changing your words, your emotions, and your behavior takes time and repetition. Please don't think this is a quick fix. You have to be willing to experiment with it and adjust until you find the right messaging and then practice it over and over again. For me, I no longer see, hear, or feel hate. I know with complete certainty that I matter. Those words and statements have lost their power over me and they have been replaced with love for myself and others. For me, it was as dramatic as living in total darkness and then having someone throw open the blinds to a perfectly sunny day. A little shocking to my system because it was so dramatically different, and yet it opened up a whole new world for me of inner peace and joy. So it's well worth the effort. Yet my story is far from over. If you're like me and strive to be your best self, the journey will eventually take a new turn. I'm learning that you have to stay on top of your repeated words. 
I've noticed recently that I say the word hide a lot. Now that word as a standalone may not seem negative or very powerful, but when you listen to my narrative around it, not so good. It's holding me back. And as I dig deeper into what's happening with me, it's becoming a rather large snowball that I'm losing control over. So next episode, I'm going to explore what it means to hide. I need a little more time to examine this in my life, and I think it's going to take a whole episode to explore it. For now, I want to give you some ideas about how to make words work for you so that you can consciously harness the power of words for your benefit. Start with the ones you're using. First, figure out your repeated negative words and do your own research on the opposite words. Really understanding what they mean and any behaviors around them is hugely important for you to embrace and acknowledge. Looking at hate was huge for me and seeing how I was treating other people and realizing there is a self-fulfilling prophecy that came with it. For me, I would then write down the positive phrases that I wanted to surround myself with. And I mean that literally. I had sticky notes on my computer, my bathroom mirror. I made note cards that I read repeatedly and had statements on my phone. Flooding myself with positive words and affirmations became my go-to in containing my negative self-talk and those negative statements and words. And here's a few other ideas. If you find yourself name-calling or criticizing yourself, you got to catch yourself. Then be kind and offer yourself the same empathy and compassion you'd extend to anyone else and examine what's the trigger behind your criticism. So many of us also self-deprecate our bodies or something we've accomplished. And we make a joke about it or belittle it. This is also a tell about how you really think, feel, and take care of yourself. Words have power, and you are not a joke. Figure out what and why you are saying it, and flip the script on this behavior. You also have to move away from the negative, and this includes resisting gossiping and speaking poorly about other people, especially when what you're saying isn't yours to share. And understand this just mirrors back to you and your behavior. This ties back into my last episode. If you haven't listened to Brene Brown's Anatomy of Trust podcast, please do so. By having this behavior, you are saying more about yourself than others. Then go on a negativity diet, literally and figuratively. Instead of saying that a meal was terrible, say, I've had better. Or if you look in the mirror and see bags under your eyes, instead of saying, I look horrible or old, try saying, looks like I need a little catnap. You basically said what you wanted to say without putting negative energy into your mind and body. You even used a positive word to do it. If you have some negative Nellies or Niles in your circle of friends, family, or coworkers, limit the time you spend with them or seek out new people when you can. Negative people and their energy have a way of dragging everything surrounding it in like a big black hole. Avoid it when you can. I also suggest going on a news diet. The world is full of negative things happening and this tends to keep us or pull us into negative conversations and thoughts. Limit your news time and listen to music, positive podcasts, or entertaining shows. And if all else fails, pull a George Costanza. And if you don't know who that is, start watching Seinfeld. It'll make you laugh, which is another way to support your mental health. And you can learn why George needed to flip his script. 
Words impact your life, so get intentional about your words. I would encourage you all to start or continue paying attention to your self-talk, but add in those words or statements on repeat. And take active steps towards replacing negative words with positive statements and affirmations. This will ultimately impact your behavior and those around you. Thank you all for tuning in. If you like this podcast, please share it with others. I'd truly appreciate it. And until next week, lead with love.